Welcome to Impact City Church. It is my sincere privilege to welcome you today. I'm going to invite you to take your seats for just a few moments. Thank you, worship team. What an incredible job. Whether you're new to us or whether you call Impact City your home, we're excited that you're here. And I just have but a few minutes to speak to you over the subject that God has placed in my heart for this day. It's not over until it's over. It's not over until it's over. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what has knocked you down and just taken the breath out of you. But can I tell you, I feel the need to tell you this morning, it's not over. It's Resurrection Sunday, and because we know the fact that he is not dead, he is alive. We come together to remember the fact that the tomb was empty then, and the tomb is still empty today. It is good to be reminded, however, that what we now consider to be the victorious defeat of death and sin was at that time likely considered the humiliating loss of a Messiah. In the eyes of many, Easter was almost the holiday that wasn't because it appeared that it would end in disaster and it appeared that it would end in defeat. So with that in mind, let me say this. Everyone loves a good underdog story. It's when all the chips seem to be stacked against someone. But yet despite all the disadvantages, they're able to overcome. Like this one individual whose business failed in 1831. And he was defeated for legislation in 1832. He attempted another business in 1833 and he failed again. His fiance passed away in 1835. He suffered a nervous breakdown in 1836. In 1843, he ran for Congress and was defeated. He attempted again in 1848 and was defeated once again. He ran for the Senate in 1855, and he lost. In 1856, he failed in an effort to become vice president. He ran for the Senate once more in 1859, and he lost again. But in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected the 16th president of the United States. Talk about disadvantages. Or for the sports fans in the house. It was the week before Christmas and all through the house. Oh, wait, that's the wrong story. And the Minnesota Vikings (laughs) were cruising to an NFC North title, sitting at a record of 10 and 3. The Indianapolis Colts, now please, if you're a Colts fan, don't walk out on me just yet. They're four and eight and one. They had endured a difficult season, changing head coaches throughout. But the Vikings trailed 33 to zero at halftime and 36 to seven 
with four minutes and 59 seconds remaining in the third quarter before the momentum shifted. C.J. Ham rushed for a touchdown and Justin Jefferson caught another. And even when Adam Thielen caught one in the end zone with five minutes and 34 seconds left in the game, the Vikings still trailed 36 to 28. But then Dalvin Cook took a pass from Kirk Cousins to the house from 64 yards out. And T.J. Hawkinson caught the two-point conversion to push the game into overtime. Greg Joseph completed the biggest comeback in NFL history with the 40-yard field goal with three seconds left in overtime. Can I tell you I love a great comeback story? Situations where countless limitations were overcome and boundaries broken, where victories were snatched from the very jaws of defeat. However, I've stopped to tell you this Sunday morning, there has never been a comeback like the one that took place on that first Easter morning. Today, I want to remind you of the greatest comeback. That after three years of earthly ministry, Jesus was arrested for his claims of being the Son of God. And we know that he was. He had preached the kingdom of God and he performed countless miracles and countless healings took place on his way to the cross of Calvary. The Pharisees wanted to see Jesus extinguished because of the threat that he posed to their control. The Roman government wanted him dead because of the following he had gained that they saw as a threat to their power. And finally, Satan, the antagonist of our soul, wanted to kill Jesus because it would ensure his own unthreatened rule here on earth. The crucifixion, then we, gain to, we come to understand, was the confluence of three powers into one place. Jesus, our Savior, is nailed to a wooden cross, and he's lifted up between two thieves, the book of John gives the final account of his life, John 19, verse 28. It says, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, he's true to his word. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it. And they put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and to take the bodies down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, the Bible tells us that they found that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. A, a prophecy of the Old Testament that he would not have any broken bones. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side. And with a spear bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The story of Jesus' final days revealed that all prophetic scriptures written about him had come true. What many people 
on that day saw as a foiled plan was actually part of God's will and his plan all along. The final words from Jesus on the cross were, it is finished. And after he says this, he breathes his last breath and gives, and gives up the spirit. And this was on that day a finish that was not the end because the truth is that the Roman soldiers came to check the three men whom they had crucified. They, the men on each side of Jesus were still alive, so they break their legs to expedite the dying process. Jesus, however, had already expired, and they pierce his side, and blood and water flow out. Surely some of at the foot of the cross on that day would have been distraught in, in seeing what was taking place right before their eyes. The man who they believed to be the one sent by God to rescue the world had been killed. Many, however, in that same picture would be overjoyed because the Pharisees thought they had won. And the Roman government thought they had won. Satan and evil were confident that they had won. Jesus was finished. It looked like all hope had been lost and the plan of God had, been, had gone off the rails and had been set back. And the beauty of Easter is that many of us today, many of us here in this place, can relate to feelings of things in life being finished. You've been there. Some of you listening to me this morning know the sting of experiencing a setback in life. Maybe it's a loss of a job that has brought discouragement. Perhaps it's a diagnosis that is heartbreaking and it feels too great to overcome. Maybe the loss of a friendship that you're feeling here today. The loss of a loved one can be devastating and detrimental. The loss of a dream can be heartbreaking. It can all feel so final. And it can all feel like this is truly the end. And if you know what it's like to be broken... And if you know what it's like to be ashamed, and if you know what it's like to be hopeless, if you know what it's like to be lost, can I tell you the story of Easter is just for you. The chapter 19 of the book of John is not the last chapter. While it is what we read this morning, I can tell you that it is not the last chapter. And can I tell you this morning that your chapter right now is not your last chapter. Can I encourage you and build faith for just a little while this morning and tell you that your story does not end like this. Chapter 19 is not the last chapter. In fact, you have to read on to find that the story continues for two more chapters. And when Jesus says that it is finished, he is referring to the fact that he accomplished all that the Father had sent him to do. And the reality is that things on that day, while he said it is finished, things had truly just begun. No matter how dark things may seem in your present right now, the hope of Easter is that nothing is ever more, is ever over until Jesus says it's over. It's never over because he has the last word. Jesus' setback was the beginning of the greatest 
come back. And Jesus was crucified on that day. His body was laid in a tomb three days after his death. The Bible tells us early in the morning, a woman named Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb to finish anointing Jesus' body for burial. She had resigned herself to the fact. She had accepted it that he was dead, and, and with him, the hopes and dreams of him establishing a new world free from oppression and evil, all of that was gone. But to her surprise that morning, things are not as she expected. Have you ever felt like this is it? Have you ever felt like there's nothing else that could be done? Have you ever come to a situation and said, I'll never have my hope again, and I'll never smile again, and I'll never be truly happy on the inside? Yeah, you may go through the motions, but have you ever reached a point where you say, this is it, and you have accepted it? Mary Magdalene had accepted it, but things were not what she expected. John 20 tells us this. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been and one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Stealing corpses in that time was customer, was, was something that was not unusual. At this time, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. She did not realize that it was Jesus. She did not realize that it was Jesus. It, can he be showing himself up? Can he be showing himself in your situation right now and you not realize it? Could, he, could it be that he is present? Because he truly is, and we realize it not. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, just tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned to him and cried, around, cried out in Aramic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. For I, have yet, for I have yet not ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and, sist, uh, and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your, fa and your Father to my God and your God. Against all the odds, the tomb is found empty. Against everything that was expected that morning, the tomb is empty. And Mary believes that someone has stolen Jesus' body. She turns around. She sees Jesus. She thinks it's the gardener. She doesn't realize it until he calls her name. And this is how a comeback is, right? That we really just can't believe it. Is this truly happening? Is, are things truly turning around for me? The truth is that Jesus' death on the cross was not a setback like everyone had thought, but instead it was the necessary work for Jesus to make a holy comeback and to defeat sin and to defeat death once and for all. Amen. 
And when Mary finally recognizes that it is Jesus, she grabs him in excitement and does not want to let him go. But Jesus tells her that it is not finished yet. There's work to be done. The greatest comeback in history was playing out right before her eyes. When Jesus said it was finished and when he hung on that cross, to many, they met, this may have seemed like defeat. To many, this may have seemed like the end to the evil one. He thought he had finished Jesus. And the Roman soldiers thought they had finished Jesus. The religious elite, the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought they had finished Jesus. But early Sunday morning, but early Sunday morning, here comes my Jesus. And what was truly finished... I'm about to come to a close. What was truly finished was the power of sin and the power of death. Jesus' resurrection declared victory for all those who trust in him. Of all the images that could possibly demonstrate the hope that we have in a risen Savior, it is the empty tomb that does it best. If Jesus could overcome the finality of death, what can he not overcome in your life today? If he can defeat death, what can he not defeat in your life today? Nothing can withstand his power, and that should fill us with an audacious hope that knowing that it is not over until Jesus says it's over. It is not over because we now have living hope. I said, we now have living hope. Our hope is found in the fact that he was raised from the dead for us. Our hope is found, I'll say it one more time, that he was raised from the dead for us. Jesus is alive and he is well and he is working on us right now. And I want to tell you that you may have faced some difficulties in your life. You may have faced some impossibilities. But if Jesus could overcome death, he can help you overcome whatever you're facing here today. That is the hope that we have in him. We don't have to be devastated by the things in our lives that feel like setbacks. Perhaps those setbacks today are preparing you for the greatest comeback of your life. Because of the greatest comeback in history, Jesus' comeback, our lives can be changed today. Peter says it perfectly as he writes to the early church about the resurrection of Jesus. In 1 Peter 1, 3, he says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Your hope is alive this morning because of him. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have been given a new birth, and we have been given a living hope in the empty tomb. Easter reminds us 
of the mercy and grace of God that have been given to us. That we could never do anything to earn this living hope. We could never rescue ourselves. We could never pay the price. We never would be. But it was Jesus' sacrificial act on the cross that gives us new life and rescues us from our sin and ultimate death. And as we place our faith, as we place our hope, as we place our trust in his resurrected life, we are made new. That when setbacks come your way, that we can experience resurrection power. That when things begin to fall, slip through our hands, that, that we would know that there is hope in an empty grave. So what if today is the beginning of your greatest comeback? Could you believe it with me today for you? Perhaps Jesus today can begin a new work in you as you begin to trust him. In whatever area of your life, there is hope. There is hope because of Jesus. Because Jesus got up, you can get up. When Jesus got up, so did your joy. When Jesus got up, so did your new life. When Jesus got up, there is hope for the, restore, for the relationship that has been fragmented. Maybe you did fall off a wall. Maybe you did have a great fall. And maybe all the king's horses and maybe all the king's men couldn't put you back together again. But Jesus, can I tell you, Jesus, no matter how large or how small or how, how, how much, how significant it may seem, how devastating the setback may be, can I tell you that there's hope because of Jesus? A comeback is possible. A comeback is possible because of him. I'll close with this story. I heard a story of a, a, a young man named Tommy, two boys named Tommy and Steve. And the story says that Tommy was beating Steve real bad. And he began to hit him. And he, and he kicked him in the leg and he began to limp. He hit him in the arm and, and his arm couldn't move and it was immobilized. He, he began to just uh, totally annihilate and totally overpower. Tommy began to overpower Steve. And, and Steve couldn't find any hope in what he was facing, in what was taking place in the moment. And, and the story says that Tommy hit him again and, and kept on and just kept on moving towards him until Steve finally fell in the bushes. And the story tells us that, that Tommy walked away from that, from that scene thinking that everything was said and done and thinking that, that the victory was his, thinking that he got the best of Steve. But then all of a sudden, I love the way the story is because Steve came out of the bushes with a two by four and said, Tommy, you may have gotten the best of me, but this isn't over yet. And can I tell you that it's not over yet? 
Can I tell somebody here on this side that it's not over yet? That you may have gone through some heartbreaks and you may have gone through some loss and you may feel like your faith is failing, but can I tell you, it's not over yet. Can I tell you, devil, you may have knocked me down, but it's not over yet. Is there anybody in the house? that says my greatest comeback is in front of me is there anybody in the house that says i will not die like this my story will not end devil you've had me down long enough i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready i see relationships coming together Can I tell you that whatever's knocked you down, you can get back up again? Can I tell you, you may have, you may feel like a failure deep down on the inside, but can I tell you that Jesus stands with his arms wide open and he says, come to me if you're heavy burdened and if you're laden, he says, I'll give you rest. Rest deep down on the inside for your soul and for your mind. Maybe you're battling with anxious thoughts and anxiety has gotten the best of you, but the Bible tells me that I can cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. The Bible tells me that to be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication that I can make my requests known to God. The Bible tells me that I can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy in the time of need. So what do you need today? What has knocked you down? What has, what has destroyed you deep down on the inside? What has come against your marriage? What has come against your family? Can I tell you that it's time for your comeback? Can I tell you, your story doesn't end like this. And you may have been knocked down by life, but you can get back up again. You can get back up again because of Jesus. So today, that we would find hope that he loves us, that he loves us that much, that he died for us, carried our sin, carried our shame, carried our weight, carried what we couldn't carry. And not only did he take it to the cross, but he went down to the grave, but he didn't stay there. He got up with resurrection power. And can I tell you that there is power in his resurrection available to you today? Can I tell you that there's dead things in your life that can be resurrected here today in the power of Jesus? Father, I thank you today. I thank you today that somebody's about to start a new chapter. Hallelujah. I thank you because somebody's going to walk into a new season. I thank you because someone is going to have a new hope. I thank you because life, new life is going to be given. I thank you, God, that regardless of what has died in our lives, I thank you that there is resurrection power. I thank you that there is resurrection power in you. I thank you for the greatest comeback that reminds us that we can have a comeback because of you. 
I thank you for defeating death and sin. And I thank you that there is nothing in my life and in the life of every individual in this place today that is too difficult for you. So right now, God, that you would show yourself strong. We believe for it right now. We believe for it right now. We believe for it right now. We trust you for it, God. I thank you that things are going to come together. I thank you, God, that what seems to be just pieces of of, of a relationship, what seems to be pieces of my faith, God, that it can come together today because of you. I thank you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just I want to give an opportunity. If you've never given your life to Jesus and, and you've been carrying guilt, you've been carrying shame, and you've been carrying a weight on your shoulders that, that's too heavy for you, Jesus says, give it to me. He, he stands at the door and he knocks and he says that if anyone would open the door and let me in, he, he says, I'll come in and I'll, I'll dine with you and you with me. But the, the thing is that you have to open the door. You have to open the door and let him in. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if that is you today, and you say, today's the day, you don't have to run up here, you don't have to, where no one's going to single you out, but today's the day that you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? I see you. Here at Impact City, we believe in community and that no one should do life alone. So I want to invite everyone to pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for loving me when I was unlovable. I open up my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for everyone that accepted him today? As we enter a moment of worship this morning, if there is something in your life that you're believing God for, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. If there is a loved one that you want to stand in the gap for that maybe did not make it this morning, but you know that there's a need in their life, and you say, I want to stand in the gap for him or for her, I'm going to invite you to come this morning. If there is something that you are facing that seems that is just too much for you, can I tell you, it's just the job for Jesus. It's not too difficult for him. Just because you haven't been able to, to make any progress or to cover any ground in your own strength and in your own might, I thank, I thank him today that it is not by might and it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. And he can do a work in your life. He can do a work in your family's life. He can do a work in, in your relative's life that's not here. He can do anything but fail. He can do anything but fail. So as the worship team begins to sing, I'm going to invite you to come. We have people that, that will join you in prayer. But I, I want to tell you, there's hope because of Jesus. There's hope because of Jesus. So let's take him at his word. I invite you today. Father, I thank you today for resurrection power. I thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you. 
I thank you that there's no habit in my life that I cannot overcome with your power. I thank you that your strength is made perfect in weakness. I thank you, God, that you see me at my lowest and you still love me. And you still invite me and you still call me in and you still say, I'll give you a new life. I thank you that no matter how much I have failed, I thank you that you still give me an opportunity today, God, and we just want to take you at your word. We believe you for it today, God. I thank you for resurrecting the dead things in my life and bringing it back to life again and doing a work that only you can do. I thank you right now for restoration. I thank you for healing. I thank you for new hope. I thank you for new vision. I thank you right now for your resurrection power that comes to meet me right where I'm at, at my lowest, and beckons me and invites me in right now in Jesus' name.